Um, thankfully, I know, terrible of me, isn't it? You will know how good I am at our administration as well, don't we? <laughs> um, March, March the, I want to say 23rd, but I'm looking at Tim for confirmation, baptisms. 20th, March the 20th, baptisms. Um, we're having a full immersion baptism as part of one. The um, pool will be open. All comers are welcome. If you haven't been baptised or you want to reaffirm your baptismal vows, 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 then um, come and talk to me or talk to Tim and we'd be very glad to uh, include you in it. It'll be a, a great evening. And um, if it's something that God's talking to you about, then uh, seriously consider it. The other thing I forgot to mention is that on Saturday the 5th in the morning we're having a working party. Um, there are leaflets around with lots of lists of jobs on which are suitable for everybody to be able to take, pi- take part. And um, lunch is provided. I've been and bought the soup. And uh, yes, it'll be a good time. So they're the two notices I forgot. Um, and also later in the year we're going to be having confirmation. The bishop's confirmed. Um, he'll be coming on Father's Day. But I'll tell you more about that nearer the time, if that's okay. Rachel, where are you? Oh, there you are, love. Come up here. It'll be good practice for you to project. Now, those of you that are regulars at late will know Rachel. She's preached a couple of three, couple of times, three times, twice. twice. And um, we were just getting ready to schedule her in again. And um, oh, okay, okay. Yes, Dad. Yes, one more to stand out of the way. But then I need it back. Because it's got my words on. Aidan's told me I've got to give you that. Okay, thanks. That's okay. So, um, yeah, Rachel's got some really exciting news. What's your really exciting news? My really exciting news is that in well, two weeks today, I am going to Uganda to volunteer for six months. So, <laughs> so again, another person we've trained up, we lose. <laughs> give away your best, that's what the Bible says. So, we, so whereabouts in Uganda are you going? Do you know yet? Um, well, it's with the Molly and Paul Childcare Foundation. They have several schools around Uganda. Um, I think I'll be mainly based in Kampala, which is the capital city. But, uh, and I'll be teaching there, I think. But I can try a bit of whatever I want. I've been told. Uh, so it could be interesting. <laughs> cool. And you go in a fortnight's time. And how long are you out there for? Six months. Six months. So um, it's going to be a long time until we see you again, almost. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you get back, do you know what you're doing yet? Yes, I've got, I've got two months together myself, then I'm off to theology college. So. so it's all complete change for you from here on in. Yes, it is. <laughs> Excellent. Would you mind if we prayed for you? No, that's fine. Excellent. I'll take that back off for you a minute. Can I have a couple of volunteers to... Men to men and women to women. A couple of... People to come and... Okay, Steve, you can come and pray. Hang on, can I have a couple of ladies, please? Or at least one lady. So we operate under our guidelines. Fantastic. So let's pray for Rachel. Father, I thank you for loaning Rachel to us. She comes a long way from Ludlow to be with us. We've witnessed her story from coming through to faith to going through to theology college through leading her parents to faith or her mum to faith and all the ups and downs that she's been on this journey with you and now she's going on a new stage of that journey with you going to Kampala Lord we pray that you go ahead of her you send angels to protect her and that during this time while she's away that you will draw very close to her 
let yourself be known to her in a new and deeper way. Amen. So, Father, go with Rachel. Lead her. Give her the words to say, the ears to hear, and the hands and the feet to be used. Bless her. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rachel. And we'll miss you. Fantastic. So has everyone had an after eight since we're doing after eights tonight? Is anybody ever, yes, happy, cool. Um, I'm going to turn my notes up a little bit because time's getting on. Um, so if you want the longer version, tell me and you can have a copy of the notes and I'm going to try and abridge it a little so that uh, we finish at the time we want to finish. Um, so tonight we're doing the square. The whole series that we're doing is something called Life Shapes. It was um, written by Mike Breen at St. Thomas Crooks in Sheffield, and it's a way of understanding Christianity, giving a language to help understand how you operate within it, with your position within it, and um, what, uh, how do I describe it, to help interpret different things, to try and test things, try and know your place in the world, and try and identify how you operate. So last week we learnt about the triangle, and sorry, last time we learnt about the triangle, and up to God, how God is... Who, why we're in this. We're in it because of Jesus and God. And we, our first calling is to be holy. And then we talked about Catholic and that we're actually a community and we should be community and we should be deliberate about creating community. And then we talked about apostolic and out. And that actually we were given go and make disciples. It's not a sit in your bums, it's a go and do something. And that actually that's part of the triangle as well. And we talked about how churches very often operate on one plane. So either they're very good at up and in and forget out, or they're very good at in and out and they forget up, or they're very good at out and up and they forget the in. But one thing lots of churches who um, are seen as majorly growing churches sort of forget is that we're of, and that we're a Toblerone. We're lots of little triangles all joined up together. And that we're not only joined in, in time, but we're also joined in space, where we're joined as planet, as one holy church right now, but also we're the same church as has been existing for 2,000 years and will exist until the coming of Christ again. So that was the triangle quickly resumed. The square. Um, it's about leadership and it's about understanding. 
It's a discipleship tool for how Jesus discipled the 12 disciples and applying them principles to our life. It's how we manage change, how we manage uh, a group, operate within a project, discern where we are, discern where we're moving on to next. And it can help us assess if a group or a project is coming to the end of its time, if it's time to refresh it, or if it's time to um, allow it just to flow and to grow. Now, we would recognise that every Christian is called to be a disciple. And if we're living the Great Commission, every Christian is called to be a discipler. Therefore, if we are disciplers and disciples, we're all leaders. Yeah? I'm not trying to stretch it. Now, I'm not saying that we're all leaders, as in some are called to lead the church and some are called to lead projects. But in the way that Jesus said... Go and make disciples, baptise them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I've taught you. We're leading someone further on. So that's why the square applies to us all. It also is something that um, business uses an awful lot. So we're going to look at the role model of Jesus and we're going to start at D1, Discipleship 1. And it's a square and it's along the top of the square. So D1, let's have a look at a Bible verse. Well, let's look at a Bible passage. So, if I read it to you, Mark 1, verses 15 to 20. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once and they also followed him, leaving their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men. Jesus said, Come, follow me. And fishermen put down their means of earning a living and followed the rabbi. They put it aside and off they went. Jesus led, they followed. He didn't pick them because of their CV. He didn't pick them because of their spiritual abilities. He didn't pick them in any way other than saying, come, follow. And they followed. And that's where we are at the beginning, D1. Can we move on to the, the next little bit? It's like a bike. Sorry, it's like a child with a bike. It's the first bike they get. And off they go. Here you go. Take the stabilizers off. Yay! I'm riding the bike! They don't realise you've got your hands behind holding it. The excitement's there. The passion's there. The belief is there. Hang on, the foggy is what you're doing. But off we go. Yeah, we're going to do something new. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. I've got the foggiest what we're doing, but we're all in it together. Yeah, you lead and I'll follow. And it's like that in any thing, group, project, movement in the world. That first stage. The leader teaches the leader sells the vision. The leader installs belief. If you look further on, 
Jesus starts investing straight away in the people. And the team's got high enthusiasm but no experience. They've got high confidence because the leader says this is where we're going and they've got no competence. And at this point the leader's being high on direction. He's not looking for any consensus. He's not saying it's not a uh, democracy at this point. High on example. Not only speaking but letting the words of our actions, the words of our lifestyle speaking high. And not really explaining that much. Because as we get further in, there's more explanation needed. So that's the first station. First, uh, the first part of D1. Come on, follow me. Yay, we're all off together. Oh, it's all fantastic. And then inevitably what comes? D2. Anyone who's ever studied this, D2 becomes part of your language. It becomes a code word that you say on a Sunday morning so that you don't have to get all emotional and all explanation, all explanatory. You just go, how are you doing? D2. And everybody knows what you're on about. So, let's look at Luke 12. If you've got a Bible with you, would you care to turn to that with me, please? Luke 12, and we're going to start at verse 22. I will read it to you. Um, D2. The bane of my life. It says in Luke 12, starting at verse 22. Then, turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, What's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. Don't, don't, they don't work or make clothes, clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom above God, above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell all your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there is the desire of your hearts also. I think we all know this one. Reality hits. You know, Jesus had sent them out on their first mission trip and they came back and it was a great success. And even the demons obeyed them. And then they come back and they see him face off against the religious leaders. And then he starts talking in riddles. And then there's opposition. And then it becomes hard. And then it's not fun anymore. Close your eyes. I want you to use your imagination. I want you to imagine Jesus and the disciples walking back. I'm going to put it into Yorkshire because that's where I'm, well, Lincolnshire, Yorkshire, because that's where I'm from. He's going to the disciples. Hey, lads, look at that. Look at birds. And you've got these big, burly, men's men, fishermen, muscle, 
smelly. And the least and the lost. Tax collectors, sons of thunder, angry men. Hard-headed men. And they're walking through the fields and Jesus is talking to them about birds and about flowers. You just hear them, Jesus, what on earth are you talking to me about flowers for? I'm no woman. Why are you talking to me about birds? It doesn't make sense. Of course the birds don't go storing barns. Are you talking about your nuts? And flowers? Well, I... <laughs> Can you get the picture? Can you can you you see it's 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 almost confronting who they are at their inner core. And you think about you can open your eyes again now. If you think about the person on the bike, you know, you've let go. They've run along with it and you've let go and what happens? They fall off. And suddenly the trike doesn't seem such a bad idea after all. Or the stabilizers. They don't want to pick up. And, you know, you've got to give a hug and say, come on, get back on there. Now the thing about this is, it happens in every operation, in every group, in every church, in every company, in every business, in every project. You hit a stage where opposition comes. And we get disheartened. We get down. We get just ready to give up. And I'm guilty of this. Getting caught in D2. And go, it's too hard. God's not in it. If, it was, if God was in it, we'd be breaking through. We'd be managing to go through. And so you oscillate between one and two. New vision. You know, vision of the week. It used to be like that 10, 15 years ago. Vision of the week. Yeah, we're going for it. We're going for it. Oh, it's all gone horribly wrong. I can't do it. It mustn't have been the right thing. <gasps> Let's have a new vision. Let's go for it. Oh, it's all gone terribly wrong. <sighs> Perhaps I'm the only one here. But it's a part of the process. Jesus was very clear to say, you know, the only thing to expect is trouble. The only thing to expect is opposition. This is the time we, 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 we don't want managers, we want leaders. This is the point where leaders need to come alongside us. They need to clear their diaries, they need to get down in the pit with the workers. Get in that pit of despair and encourage them. Remind them of God's grace, God's mercy. And sell and sell and sell the vision. Lift us up. Let us see beyond the physical to the spiritual. Let us see beyond what the reality appears to be to the reality of God. To get us through the D2. Are you recognising this stage? We experience this stage at times. So let's just have a look at what the D2 comes up with. The, T is low, the team's low on enthusiasm and low on experience and low on confidence and low on competence and probably low on sleep and low on self-worth. So the leader's got to be high on direction and high on discussion and high on example and high on accessibility. If you look in the Bible, there's numerous times when it was down and the, the disciples were having a hard time and Jesus would draw away from the crowd and he would invest in the twelve or invest in the three or then invest in the seventy-two. So moving on again, we'll go on to D3 now. Get out of D2. <laughs> Don't want to stay there, do we? D3. 
That's the best way I can sum it up. Let's have a look at the Bible again. John 15, verses 12 to 17. John 15, verses 12 to 17. I am really, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm ripping my notes up and I'm trying to get through it quickly. So again, I apologise. If you want the notes, please just let me know. But in John 15, verses 12 to 17, it says, This is my commandment. Love each other in the way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for, other, for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. You are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love one another. This is the stage I love. And to be honest, we got into D3 tonight in worship. I'll grasp them up. We went through D1, D2 and D3 in worship tonight at one point. We got towards just, just over halfway and all of a sudden... Um, some of the people who were a bit nervous and he, yes, I've got this, I can do this. <sighs> I understand it, I can move into it. Now in the Bible, at this point, Jesus has pulled away from the crowd and he's starting to really invest in the disciples and he's already starting telling them, you know, I'm going to be gone. I mean, if we go to the kid, you know, he's, he's, he's rode away for the first time, you've let go and off they've gone. And then the second time you've let go and off they've gone. By the third time, you're not even having to hold on. And they're cautious. But actually, by the fourth or fifth time, they're actually getting quite okay at riding the bike. They're not quite to that, I can jump on and off I go. They're having to think about making sure their feet stay on the pedals. But actually, you're not having to start them off. They know what they're doing. They're getting there. At this point in the story, the disciples are owning the vision. They've been on mission. They're hearing what Jesus is saying. They've seen Jesus do incredible things. And they're starting to move off in their own confidence and their own enthusiasm, which is built on experience. They've gone through the D2 experience and they've come out the other side, understanding that it's not in their will, not in their strength, but in God's strength and in God's will that they've got to operate. Jesus says to them, you know my business. You're no longer slaves, you're my friends. He's talking consensus. He's drawing them into, his, into where it's going. He's allowing them to, to flesh it out for themselves. Allowing them to, to take it forward. Now this is the stage where in my experience of years in church, where we can get a bit comfortable. Certainly, in, I've not actually experienced it that much in this church, if I'm honest. But in other churches I've served, this is the stage where it can be nice and comfortable and cosy, and we lose vitality. It's nice because we're happy together and, and we're buddies and we're doing God's work and, and we become more experienced and, and we can rely on ourselves and we can rely on each other and we can achieve what we need to achieve. And actually, we forget that we've got to rely on God to do it. And it's at that point where sometimes we need to recognise that we need to move on to D4. 
But D3 is a great place to be. It's we've gone through the hard times and we know what we're doing. This is the way that we're going and this is where we've, we've, we're told to produce good fruit. This is where we're producing good fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. This is where we're doing what God has told us to do. And this is where we're moving on. So if we look at the, the different things here. The team is increasing in its enthusiasm. It's growing in its experience. They've got intermitted confidence and they're growing in competence. And the leader is much lower on direction, much higher on consensus, higher on discussion and higher on accessibility. But it's not as high as in D2. The leader is deliberately withdrawing a little, allowing people to have their head, to take ownership. It's a different form of leadership. So if we move on to D4, excuse me a second. D4 can be summed up in mm. D4 is to the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you, even to the end of the age. Jesus has been building to this point, the same as all leaders have been building to this point. The handover point. The point where perhaps they are supposed to be involved, but actually they don't need to be involved. He's able, Jesus is able to release the disciples to the vision and tell them to make the vision their own and to develop it and to take it on. He's able to step aside and actually go off to heaven. At the time he's saying this, he's walking around in his... Um, I've lost my place. In his resurrection body. He keeps popping up here and there and they see him occasionally. And he's there to encourage them to carry on. You know, think of the kid on the bike. They're just jumping on and off the go. They don't need to think about what they're doing. They need to think about braking, probably. But they think like my kids. Um. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some of the things my son has been up to on bikes. It was a bad example to use. But um, yeah, they, they can go. <laughs> yeah, you've all heard the story of Ben deciding that he wanted to go on the BMX track and went on the 18 plus black BMX track at the age of seven. I'll never forget the screaming until the day I die. <laughs> But, I mean, he didn't know any different. He's on his bike. He doesn't think about what he's doing. He's just going to go and do what he's doing. He knows how to do it. Don't need to be teaching. It's about delegating. It's about delegating responsibility. But making sure you don't delegate too easy. You need to make sure that people have gone through the square on the leadership. And the members... If we bring up the uh, next bit, please, then. And, you know, the members of the team, the disciples are high in enthusiasm, high in experience, high in confidence and high in competence. They can do it. They know they can do it. They've had the leader tell them they can do it. They've had the leader prove to them they can do it. They've experienced it. Off we go. The leader is low on direction, high in consensus, low on example and high on explanation. Doesn't even need to be available. Just keeps popping in. D4 is the place where you start asking the questions. So... Has this done its time? 
Is this vision fulfilled? Or is this the point where it needs reinvigorating? Or is this the point where it needs the course changing slightly? Or is this the point where because the leader stepped out and I've got the leadership, I'm on D1. And I've got to start moving my next team that I'm training because I'm a discipler, because I'm a disciple, and I've got to disciple somebody else. Is this the point where I, because I've been discipled in how to do this, I'm taking somebody else on the journey? Do you see what I mean? So let me just try and shorthand it for you. D1. Woohoo, yeah, we all know it. Fantastic, brilliant, fantastic. D2. Oh no, it's all terrible, it's all horrible. D3. Yeah, okay, getting the hang of this, yeah? Getting the hang of this, this is good. D4. Hmm. Right, what are you saying, God? What are you saying? And this happens in every, every, every group. I don't know. I mean, if I'm wrong, please point it out. But as far as anything I've experienced, you always have these four stages. In business, they call it forming, storming, norming, and performing. The business world has adopted it. It's based in the Bible. Now, how do we use it in assessment? Well... Which group are we assessing? What ministry are we assessing? Where are we assessing? Have they measured in the triangle? Yes. How does it measure in the square? Because if, if we're in D1 or D2 in the square, then we know how to assess and what to do. If we're in a group, and actually we can identify we're in D2, that's the point that we get everyone together and we push through. We face the opposition, we pray, we support one another and we move through. If we're in D3... And it's getting a bit pally and a bit, we're just, you know, having a happy ho- cu- holy cuddle. Uh, holy cuddle? <laughs> Cozy huddle it was supposed to be, not holy cuddle. <laughs> anyway, if, you know, if we've got it wrong, then we need to go into D4 and examine what do we need to do to, to, to make it move on. As a tool on its own, It's helpful for us in our personal lives to understand what's going on. The squares in every situation. You know, mentoring someone. If you've got a new mentoree, you've got to go through D1 and D2 before you get to D3. You've got to have the nice, hi, how are you doing? Let's get to know each other. Let's get to know each other a bit deeper. Actually, I don't like talking to you because you're asking me to be open up and honest about myself before you get to the, right, let's go for it. Let's get deep and, and, and move things on. Are you getting it? Do you understand? No? Yeah? Okay. So, that's the square. If you take nothing else away from it, learn D2. Because it's amazing how quickly you can be in coffee and someone, you know, who was it? Aidan came up to me, was it last week? And just asked me, how are you doing? And I answered D2. And straight away, he knows what he needs to do to help me, because we've got a relationship that we've, we've developed over a number of years. And so at that point, there's suddenly a cup of coffee appears in my hand, and uh, about five minutes later, Pete's up praying for me. Not having to make, you know, not having to explain everything, it's just, I'm in D2. Life's a bit hard, life's a bit... Bleh. Yeah? Cool, fantastic. So, that's the tool, the square. There are some additional sheets with more information. You can have my notes. Um, but what I wanted to finish with 
is this square used in a slightly different way. And it sums it up for how Jesus taught his disciples. And it's really simple. I do, you watch. I do, you help. You do, I help. You do, I watch. And you see that all the way through Jesus' ministry. He does it and the disciples watch. He does it and the disciples are helping. Think of the feeding of the 5,000. They do it and he helps when they pray for things and it doesn't happen and he's got to come in and rescue it. And then at the end, they're doing it and he's just watching. And in your discipling of other people, in you being a discipler, just think of the, the four stages. Let's pray. Father, it feels like it's a bit rushed because time all went all over the place. But we thank you that you're at the centre of this. Anything that I've said that's not of you, just take it and throw it away as far as the east is from the west. And that which is of you, magnify, bed down, and let it become part of our language. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, uh,